Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. COVID hasn't gone away. I mean, even though uh, in a lot of ways life has been returning to normal, COVID remains with us. And obviously now as we deal with Omicron and its uh, various versions, uh, we've got a virus that's uh, become more adept at immune evasion. Uh, So while vaccinations are are really important in reducing the impact of the virus, reducing the impact on the healthcare system, reducing the likelihood of severe outcomes, it has changed the dynamic in in terms of what we expect from vaccinations and maybe by extension then of the value of having vaccine mandates. The federal government has been resisting pressure. Uh, to change or ease its remaining COVID travel measures. Now, part of that's the vaccine mandate. There's also the random testing and and other measures that do remain in place and and have been blamed for contributing to some of the delays at Canada's airports. But the government insists this is all still necessary. However, one prominent infectious disease expert says it probably isn't. Uh, Dr. Zen Chagla writing recently in the Globe and Mail that the logic behind vaccine mandates for travelers no longer holds. And for the good of public health, we probably need to move in a different direction. So joining us uh, for his thoughts on this and other matters, very pleased to welcome to the program the aforementioned Dr. Zane Chagla, infectious disease physician, associate professor of medicine at McMaster University. Dr. Chagla, great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the challenges are, are piling up these days for infectious disease specialists and, and public health agencies. We're still trying to understand what's going on with this severe acute hepatitis we're seeing in children. Now we're trying to make sense of these monkeypox outbreaks we're seeing in various countries, including Canada. Your thoughts on, on kind of where we're at in, in solving these mysteries and what sort of a challenge these these cases pose right now? I mean, there's, there's, you know, it just underscores the huge value of public health, right? And public health trust in all of this, recognizing that you have to respond to a variety of issues, both locally and domestically and, and uh, internationally, but also that we're a very interconnected world. And, uh, and, you know, it's great that we have information sharing that's very different. But, you know, for example, with monkeypox, there's been long-term transmission of monkeypox in Nigeria and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And, you know, I think many of us in the community knew there would be spillover events that would happen soon, and we're seeing it in real time. So, you know, a lot of this may be expected. This is us, you know, in, in, in being very close contact, globalized. Uh, you know, this pandemic has been very much a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, there's got to be a lot of trust in the community to understand that we can handle things, but, but it does take time, and it takes the right people doing the right investigations to get there. Yeah, it's the thing. And I mean, you know, country, no country lives in a vacuum. I mean, even North Korea is now dealing with, with COVID. So no country can wall itself off from all of this, doesn't it? It also speaks to the importance of international transparency, international cooperation. These situations uh, affect us all. We're all learning from one another, too, aren't we? Absolutely. Look, we've learned so much from, from much of the world. The United Kingdom was the first one that figured out there was a monkeypox issue and largely probably turned the, the alarm on for many countries to say, should we be starting to look for this in particular populations? You know, I, I think we, we have to give credit. You know, international surveillance is something that is going to be a real uh, important piece of our global infrastructure moving forward. And both in high-income and the low-income world, we really have to put resources aside so that 
we can communicate, we can share data, we can rapidly do infectious disease surveillance, uh, and that that really benefits all of us, not just uh, countries that have access to it. Yeah, there is some irony, I suppose, in other uh, infectious diseases sort of bumping COVID from the headlines, even though the latter is is still with us and and maybe ultimately the biggest threat facing us. But you know, for a lot of people, life is starting to get back to normal. Travel is starting to get back to normal. Um, you've made the case recently, and it's interesting that you know, as much as the government wants to hold on to these rules around travel, maybe it is time to end some of these vaccine mandates. So from someone in your position who is obviously very supportive of of vaccination, the value of vaccination, why do you think we're at that point now? Yeah, you know, I I think this goes back to that public health trust, right? That that we we invoke measures that make sense when they make sense, but we understand when things don't make sense, that we're not going to necessarily punish or or we're going to make sure people are, are treated equally and their freedoms are respected. And this really comes down to the value of these vaccines. They're amazing at preventing people from getting critically ill, sick, uh, and really attenuating this disease. But we do know that two doses of vaccines probably offers very little protection against infection. But even three doses over time probably wanes down significantly as well. And so when we're talking about mandates creating spaces where people are at low probability of spreading the virus, you know, that may have been true way at the beginning with Alpha and Delta, with Omicron, everything changed. And, and the, the reality is the person sitting beside you on the flight, whether they've been vaccinated or not been vaccinated, you know, is probably at a very minimal extra protection from infecting or causing infection to other people on that flight. And, and when we get to that point, I think we have to really say, OK, what are we doing here preventing people who are unvaccinated getting on flights, getting on trains if their risk is the same as anyone else? Well, it's interesting because it's almost to the point now where the policy is is not really intended to have a practical impact. It's almost more about sort of sending a message about the, the importance of vaccination. And look, that's, that's an important message. But, you know, this kind of policy probably isn't the best way to deliver that message, is it? No, absolutely. And look, you know, if we were to say this is for vaccine uptake from November to now, there's been a rise in full vaccine rates of about right. 3% in the general population over 18. So it's clearly not necessarily having impacts there. But also, again, you know, public health is not about, you know, restrictions. It's about resources. It's about, you know, proactive interventions. It's about engagement. It's about stakeholders. And so, you know, if this is really not working, if there's the burden of proof is suggesting that, you know, you're you're really just causing more grief for some individuals, you know, it's not an effective public health intervention. And again, we do need the public with everything coming on, with monkeypox, with everything else, you know, to be on the side of, of, of everyone else, not necessarily create groups of yeses and nos and people for or against certain values. We're at an interesting moment here with regard to vaccinations, um, you know, with with the challenges posed by Omicron and its continued evolution, some of the waning immunity from vaccination, even booster shots, and we're trying to maybe you know, ring some benefit from fourth doses for for certain groups. But I think, you know, we're getting to the point, aren't we, where we're going to need a a new arsenal here. What's your assessment of where things stand? Yeah, absolutely. Paul Offit had a really, who's who's one of the vaccine gurus in the uh, United States, had a really lovely editorial talking about, I think we've hit the top end of the value of these vaccines. Yes, in higher risk, immunodeficient, older populations, more vaccines may offer an incredible amount of protection. But, 
you know, we probably topped out at the community-based protection here. Uh, and really, this is personal protection in that sense. And it, it has to incorporate that. But I think that, that just puts it on stage. There are a number of different clinical trials for different vaccine modalities, which may be more potent, more generalized, deal with variants, et cetera. You know, if one of those comes to the market, you're going to need public trust at that point to come back and get that vaccine. Yeah. And I think, again, if, as long as we keep antagonizing groups and pushing groups aside where there's not a given benefit, you might not get what you want when a new vaccine comes to the market, which really could change the face of this pandemic. Well, it's a challenge, too. I mean, we, we look at our existing platforms to maybe try to tailor it to to some of the, you know, the versions of the virus we're dealing with. It's it's hard to know what's going to be, you know, the prevailing version, say, you know, a few months down the road, the virus seems to be moving fast. So we've got maybe other alternatives like the dream of a pan-coronavirus vaccine or, you know, even the real interesting promise of intranasal vaccines, which we've been hearing some encouraging things about. What's your sense of where this is all going? Yeah, a lot of this stuff is in phase two or preclinical work, you know, so it is progressing. Um, and uh, and at least some of the animal model data, even some of the human model data looks really, really promising that you're going to get uh, high levels of antibodies where they count in the nose and throat where it may actually have significant population effects. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot on the horizon here. I think you, the way we're going to be vaccinating in a year is going to be very different than the way we're vaccinating now. And so, you know, people shouldn't be giving up hope that these vaccines have hit their wall. I mean, we've done an incredible job. We've come back to relative normal with these vaccines. Um, but, you know, there is probably going to be a new generation of this, and it really is going to probably be more globalized, more variant uh, agnostic, and, and even extra modalities like nasal or inhaled. And, and so lots to look forward to. But again, lots of that long game planning to make sure that we have trust and we have people willing to take them when the time comes. Yeah. And, and maybe summer does give us a, a bit of respite, especially if we, we get through, um, you know, whatever wave we're, we're dealing with right now. But do you see sort of the fall, the winter as, you know, when when we could be in trouble again? Is that sort of the, the urgency here in trying to address this situation? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, this virus is evolving. There's new variants coming out by the day. Very little consequence, but some of them are more. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, but realistically, yeah, I, I think, you know, when we have our winter pressures, when we typically see respiratory season in general, you know, our 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 our, our Pressures are going to be tested again amongst a system that is very difficult to deal with surges. Um, you know, it's going to be time, hopefully at that point we have more tools, but at the time as well that we have to be very, very focused on making sure that people are as, as vaccinated as they can be. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.